0: Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us for this end of year episode. We're going to look back on the entire 2019 of EOS and EOS.io and uh, also look to the future of 2020 and beyond. Uh, If this is your first time here, be sure to smash that subscribe button to catch all our new content in the new year. And uh, if you're already subscribed, smash that like button to help us with the YouTube algorithm. And the last thing I need to say before we get started is that nothing Zach, Adriana, or I say should be interpreted as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. Uh, Don't listen to people online or uh, you'll get
1: wrecked in that right, Zach get absolutely rickety, wrecked, wrecked. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely
0: wrecked. But uh, today we have a very special guest that I mentioned obviously in that disclaimer, who is Adriana, uh, who took over my position at Cypherglass. As many of you know, over these past few weeks, I stepped down as CEO and Adriana, who has been a partner and owner of Cypherglass since the very beginning has stepped up as CEO. So Adriana, welcome to the show.
2: Hey guys, thanks for having me. Glad to be here, glad to be CEO now. I'm really excited about that.
1: Absolutely, you. Sorry, sorry. You have the floor.
2: I'm sorry. Wow, we're
1: we're losing it. We're losing it. We both want to introduce you so bad. We both want. We want to hear your story, Adriana. I think that's what we're both trying to say. Is like, what's your background and what were you doing before becoming the CEO of Cipherglass? What's your role within ESIO?
2: Yeah. So before becoming the CEO of Cipherglass, I was the community manager with Cipherglass, and it's been about a year and a half that I've been working with Rob and the team. It's been a really amazing journey. I've been all around the world to different EOS meetups and trying to discover what we're doing, what this whole community's goal really is overall. Um, you know, Learning more and more about EOSIO, learning more and more about, about blockchain on the way um, has been really challenging, but it's been really fun. I don't come from a technical background at all. I come from more of a business development and SaaS Sales background, which is starting to seem perfect for EOSIO, as I think we're going to see some really cool SaaS platforms come out of the arena. But um, really, I'm just looking forward to bringing my you know blogging and community management experience up to being CEO. Now that I have a little bit more technical experience, um, you know, I'm looking forward to driving CypherGlass into 2020.
1: I think it's important to note that your technical team at Cypherglass isn't really changing much. You want to kind of talk about them and, and the people that are kind of the technicians behind the scenes? Because even with Rob as the CEO, I think a lot of people saw Cypherglass as kind of like a video and like marketing block producer. But behind the scenes, like, like your technical guys are, are very hands on and very, very experienced and talented.
2: Yeah, I can't say enough about Ross and James. Um, working with them over the last two years has been amazing. And they really know their stuff. Um, you know, both of them come from the tech industry. They have over 30 years of experience between them. And Ross and James, um, they really are the backbone of Cypherglass. They have tons of infrastructure knowledge. They've contributed tons to the community. When we were standing up Mainnet, they were critical in getting that going. Um, and I'm looking forward to really shining some more light on their technical skills as we go into 2020.
1: Rob, whenever you're building up your, your Cypherglass dream team before the mainnet launch, how did you meet Adriana and like how did you two connect and get started working together?
0: Yeah, so I met Adriana uh, after my brother Ben, who's also part of the Cypherglass team, met her. And I believe we actually found her through a headhunter. Um, So we were having uh, some difficulty finding someone that was qualified enough. You know, if you think about the sort of Venn diagram of skills that someone needs, not only do they need, um, you know, community engagement skills and business development skills and all these things, but they also need some kind of a knowledge of crypto. Um, And the headhunter was able to find Adriana, who obviously was in the crypto space for a while um, before we reached out to her. So it was kind of this perfect mesh. And uh, she's been a great member of the team ever since.
1: So, I don't think you mentioned it in your intro like we talked about it, Rob. You, today's, today's an important show for, for the, the, the path forward of everything EOS. Yeah, this so
0: is, today is my uh, last show for 2019, maybe my last show for a long time. I uh, know <laughs> you guys uh, ahead of the show are trying to get me to promise to come on for a voice episode. Uh, no promises yet. Um, I will yeah. definitely be voice when it launches uh, the beta in February, but no promises for a show yet. Maybe we'll surprise everybody. We'll see. But <laughs> this, this will be my last show for the foreseeable
1: future. This will probably be my last show for 2019 also <laughs> and probably for Adriana <laughs> also. But I think what you, you're saying is you told me before the show, like, this is going to be the last one you do with me for a while. But we, we have an unlimited pool of talent for other people to come co-host a show of we'll Adriana back. Got people like kevin rose eve from eos nation we got james Mart, peter k we got a whole bullpen of co-hosts but uh adriana and i we we talked about this before we started recording we were gonna hunt you down like a dog for uh, the voice launch yeah. <laughs> yeah, happy fun. valentine's day rob you're gonna get like flowers and it's gonna like <laughs> you're gonna get kidnapped
0: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited, though, to, to start watching some of these episodes. Obviously, I've, I've been a part of pretty much all of them, um, except for the occasional one that you did with Pete or, or some interview guests. So I'm excited to, to sort of transition into that viewer role. And I think having more and more people on the show will help it sort of live up to its name of everything EOS, uh, not just Zach and Rob's view on EOS. So I'm excited.
1: I, I, I agree with that 100%. It kind of goes into this transition. So when did the... Like, do you have an exact date you became CEO and Rob stepped down? I'm not sure. It was the day you yeah. published the blog, probably. Uh,
2: I think it was the 15th. December 15th was the official day that we, um, you know, we handed everything off. And obviously, the weeks leading up to that were um, kind of hard and difficult. You know, it, it. I don't like seeing Rob leave. I really don't. Me, but, me neither. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think in, anyone in the community likes seeing Rob leave, um, you know, but that being said, um, you know, we saw the fantastic team at Glass, like we just talked about and Rob and I are in touch. I can call on him and get his opinion whenever, whenever I need. And don't worry, we will, we will be twisting his arm and bringing him back onto the show <laughs> at some point in 2020, so I'm not too nervous.
1: So Rob brought up a good point. So this show has always been called Everything EOS. And Cypherglass was always an EOS mainnet block producer. And Rob always had a very strong stance of only producing blocks through Cipherglass on the EOS mainnet. So mm-hmm. moving forward into 2020, how are things going to change with you at the helm of Cypherglass in regards to producing on other chains?
2: You know, first of all, I want to say that Um, it wasn't just Rob's decision to just do mainnet. You know, as a team, we all decided that that's what was best for Cypherglass. And um, now that we're kind of turning the corner and we're seeing EOSIO grow and we're seeing all these EOSIO networks pop up, there are a few that as the new CEO, I do want to support. And I can confidently say, and this is a bit of an announcement, but we will be supporting Telos. We will be launching our testnet node here in the next week. And then we'll be on mainnet in the new year. So I'm really excited for that. I think Telos has grown a lot. And um, you know, when it first came out, I was very skeptical. I didn't like any chains that were basically competition to EOS because I really believed in it. That being said, um, mainnet is just suffering some challenges right now that I think these side chains and sister chains, whatever you want to call them, um, it's necessary. I think it's necessary competition for mainnet. I think that it's good for these other chains to be pushing innovation and pushing governance and voting and all these different concepts that we've argued over Mainnet on their own um, you know, experiment. And Telos is one that I have kept my eye on for the last year and a half. And I really like what they're doing over there. I think they have a really strong WPS system. And I want to see um, what we can maybe build or do over there that eventually can be brought over to Mainnet or you know, succeed on its own.
1: I think Talos got some really good community members as well. So a lot of the people that kind of fizzled out from the mainnet and kind of like left a little bit or at least stopped being as vocal on the mainnet, I think a lot of them actually went to Talos. So I really do appreciate their community over there, and they do have some technicians. Um, I know you're not ready to make announcements for other sister chains that you might produce on, so let's just talk about sister chains that you really enjoy and and like and are watching. <laughs> yeah. What are some uh, of your favorites? Wh- Wax. Wax
2: right now. I have my eye on. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to World CryptoCon in Vegas a month ago, and I was able to meet quickly. And he has some really great ideas. He's really sharp between the ears and, and really seems to understand what the use cases are for blockchain in general. Um, they have a great YouTube channel with fantastic content, which is, of course, something we know about at Cipherglass. Um, so I like, I love watching his content. I think they have, um, a real shot at becoming, you know, a, a mainstream crypto project that could bring in some, some real enterprises and some real gaming and, and really make something of themselves. So, so far, so good. Um, I'm wary about a couple of things on wax, but that's why I'm watching it. That's why we're not just jumping into anything yet. Um, but I do think that wax will be something that we take a look at right after sending on to us.
1: Yeah, w- Wax has been hot lately though because all the projects leaving mainnet, like we saw EarnBet and, well, Prospectors is on both and so is yep. technically EarnBet, but we, Karma left completely. That was a complete migration. So that, that's kind of been like the hot spot. Uh, so that would be probably be a good place to be. And I, I think we could all agree that gaming is one of blockchain's potential biggest use cases in the next couple of years. So it'd be hard to talk about a gaming chain without talking about Ultra. I know that they've only announced a couple block producers, so I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to produce on there. Is that a chain that you have been watching at all, keeping tabs on?
2: Definitely been watching Ultra. Um, they seem like they're not holding back at all. Like they're really ready to come out of the gate swinging, and that's what we're looking for. You know, um, Cypherglass kind of pivoting into you know other chains. We're going to become a node running service, and and I think that. Um, You know, if that's what we're good at, if if infrastructure and running nodes is what we're good at, that's what we're going to stick to for a while. And we would love to, you know, try to help out Ultra if we can. We've been just kind of watching as they get set up and they're not taking on um, a whole lot of partners right now. So they're being very careful. And um, I think that Cypherglass is going to have to prove themselves a little bit to Ultra before we we get asked to be a part of that project. And fingers crossed.
1: Um, I I saw a a tweet or... I don't know if it was a blog post. I think it was a tweet from Colin Talks Crypto. So Cypherglass was added to a rewards proxy. Rob, does that make you turn over in, in your, not grave, but in your <laughs> in your in your, what, in your bed? I don't know. It make you turn no, no, no. over in your sleep? I think the, the mainnet is clearly,
0: you know, operated by a certain set of standards and a certain set of rules right now. And I think it would be foolish for Adriana and the new leadership at Cypherglass to not um, at least spend a little bit and try to to compete in this new uh, environment rather than just sticking true to um you know those original values which may not even be present on that chain anymore so uh, i totally trust adriana and uh, everybody over there to, to make the right moves and i'm excited to see how they grow and flourish on other chains
2: i mean the new chains for cipherglass i think and, and even the proxies i think the way we want to approach these paid proxies is a little bit different than just going in for the votes i think it's it's a lot of it's you know, picking the right proxy, picking the right value proxy is important for a block producer. You know, with Colin, he takes time to select the BPs that he invites into the rewards proxy. He takes time to really look at, at the BPs and what value they're adding before he does allow them to receive those votes. And I think that taking that caution is part partially why we decided to go into Colin's paid proxy. Um, you know, if, if I feel like the other BPs and they're adding value back in and we're all gaining from this and so are the um holders, the token holders are gaining rewards from this. I feel like it's a win win win, so there was no reason for me to not go into Collins proxy at this point.
1: We'll get into a little bit of news. This is Christmas week, so not a whole lot has happened. We're going to spend We wanted to spend the majority of the time uh, talking about two thousand and nineteen recap, but we wanted to start off with this transition of cipher glass because this is like the passing of the torch from from Rob Dejron. I'm super excited to see. Uh, what Cypher Glass brings for 2020. Are you going to start doing like short videos on the Cypher Glass channel a la Rob?
2: I think so. I think I'm going <laughs> to take my own stab at YouTube um, in 2020. And so far, you know, I, I've been bouncing around the world. I don't know if people are aware that I am full digital nomad. I'm home in Texas right now visiting my family for the holidays. But, um, you know, this new promotion has made me, you know, think, do I need to settle myself back down so that I can be more consistent? And I know that, with Rob, I've learned a lot from him over the last year and a half, and he's set up a studio. You know, he's very committed to the content that he produces, and it is a lot of work, which I am um, very quickly learning.
1: <laughs> um, sp- so, speaking of content, that, that so we don't have a lot of news to talk about for this week, but the big crypto YouTube purge. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, like Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve, everyone's getting banned from YouTube, blaming censorship. It, it was cool to see everyone come together, though, in their rage. That was the one good thing that came of it.
2: It, yeah. it was really neat, yeah. Seeing all those big icons like CZ and Vitalik, you know, tweeting about it, saying maybe it's time we take another stab at, um, you know, social media with voice on the horizon. It was kind of it was kind of a perfect opportunity to go out and talk about voice. And even I took to Twitter and was, you know, tweeting at YouTube about their censorship. And I don't know that I quite believe the excuse they gave. I think that they, um, I think that they knew what they were doing, and the outrage caught them off guard, and, and maybe they put everything back up.
0: I honestly was a little uh, disappointed to see that they put it all back up so quickly. Um, and the reason why is I think I agree with you, Adron. It was great to see everybody come together. I know Vitalik even tweeted about Voice before all this happened. Um, And I kind of wish that they kept it all down so that people would finally actually migrate to some kind of a decentralized platform, whether it's DTube or voice coming in February, um, or a totally new platform, maybe built on the DAP network instead that allows people to host videos and not have some centralized party take them down. So um, uh, maybe they, they didn't expect everybody to come together and expected the infighting, but it definitely very, very cool to see.
1: You just meant, so that was, I guess, my highlight was whenever Vitalik, and I'll throw the graphic up on the screen, he said, hey, I just signed up for a voice beta account. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was probably like my highlight of that, the, the whole fiasco. CZ talking about voice was huge. And he's even talked about it since. And I, I think it kind of was awakening call. We have We have all of these YouTubers who have like hundreds of thousands of subscribers and their livelihood kind of relies on that and that centralized platform. And it kind of shows, like, without that platform, you you have nothing left. Like, if you don't have archives yeah. of your videos, you can't even get them back. Like, it, it, it sucks. And it wasn't a lot even of people don't little, think about it.
2: It wasn't even like small time um, YouTubers. You know, it wasn't people with under five thousand. You know, views. It was people like Omar Bond from Crypto News, and and even Chris Dunn got taken down. Um, you know, Heidi travels. These are all people that I've been watching for the last four or five years. So, um, it was, I I think the outcry was more than YouTube really expected. So it was nice to see. And, and I'm with Rob on that. It would have been kind of nice for them to leave the content down because maybe we could have built up more of a, you know, a marketing pool behind voice Mm -hmm. and some of these other decentralized social media networks like uptrend and, and a handful of the other ones.
1: I I was all nervous because I was like, I don't want to speak out about this. I don't want my channel to get banned. (laughs) But, like, I I didn't know the cause of it. I still don't know. Like, it could have been, like, an algorithm thing. I don't think YouTube said specifically. Or it could have been malicious actors, like, uh, flagging videos. And then the automated, like, content stuff pulled them down until they were reviewed. Or or it could have been, like you said, maybe they didn't think it was going to have such a bad outcry. And just they they reversed their decision. I read...
2: I read a couple tweets and I can't say this was actually why, but I read a couple tweets that said um, YouTube was getting, was trying to prepare for the crypto act of 2020, which is a whole other big topic, which we can get into at some other point, but um, you know, there's this huge act coming out with, I think over 17, 17 bills in it that's going before Congress next year. And um, I think YouTube stated that they were trying to make sure that they could pull all of this content down all of a sudden, if, for some reason, um, you know, the U.S. government passed some kind of regulation that said you couldn't do that. So they gave an excuse uh, along the lines of we were just testing to make sure we could do this. Um, but nobody had any kind of um, warning. Nobody had any kind of email. So, you know, that, that remains to be seen.
1: Besides the YouTube purge, the only other uh, big news this week is Dan Larimer will be speaking at, on Capitol Hill in the Capitol building on January 31st. 2020. It's the future of money, governance, and the law at the U.S. Capitol. Uh, Dan will be one of the keynote speakers, uh, along with Tim Draper, who was uh, wow. recently announced under the board of directors of SenseChat. So those are the two keynote speakers. And it's also the first time any blockchain representative or crypto representative has ever spoken in Capitol Hill, uh, in the Capitol building, which is really, really big news. It says that topics include Elections, Accessibility and Security, Global Adoption, Banking and Regulation, Government Service Delivery, Interoperability and Integrity, National Security and Competitiveness, Preparing for the Future, Protecting Future Property, People and Communities, and State and Local Implementation Regulations. So all very, very government-focused topics, topics which I think Dan Larimer has a lot to say on. Um, and then we also just recently saw that Dan Larimore and Brendan bloomer were speaking at, at the SEC about a week or two ago. What would you think of that Adriana? Uh,
2: I think it's awesome. I'm, you know I think right now in, in the. US community you know it's it's a lull time for us. We're all kind of you know anxious and eager to see what this is going to turn into. but when I see block one going out to meet, You know, meet the bar regulation. I know that they're in this for the long haul, so it makes me feel really secure as a block producer, or even someone involved with EOS. That um, you know, they're making the right moves to make sure that this this technology, the software, is around for the next hundred years and continues to grow. So for me, it's just a level of security that I feel being a part of this and my livelihood being attached to it. When I see Brendan and Dan stepping up to go do things that have never been done before, and they're they're taking on extreme challenges. These aren't small challenges. They're trying to push regulation forward in the U.S. for all of our benefit. And to me, that's the most important thing they could be doing right now.
1: Um, What do you think they're doing at the SEC?
2: I think they are trying to push these guys forward for voice. I think that voice is going to have a token. I think that there's going to be a lot of talk around whether that's a security or not. And they are trying to push some kind of sandbox a regulation program forward so that they can exist in the U.S. and so that U.S. citizens can take advantage of the benefits that come along with holding voice tokens.
1: That's actually a really good introduction to the little video clip I want to play. So this is from Solutions CLE. It was in Cleveland on December 9th, but the video wasn't published until December 20th. And shout out to community member Phoenix uh, for pointing this video out to me. He's, he's the man.
3: And speaking of innovation, I want to uh, ask you about your safe harbor ideas. Well, I think, as I mentioned, I think that the securities law framework and the Howey test, which I'm sure all of you have heard about, has been um, relatively successful in a lot of in governing a lot of our decisions about what is a securities offering and what is not. even there, I think there's been some creep in terms of the, the expansion of what it, is to be, what it is to be a security. But in this space, what I worry about is that if you have a token network that's getting ready to launch and really needs to get those tokens into the hands of people who will use them, you are unable to do that um, for fear that your token could be classified as a security. And that doesn't really make sense if your token is really for a particular purpose. Um, but I think that um, if we could craft a safe harbor that said, look, you've got a couple years, two or three years within which you can develop your token network, and if you, you tell us that you're taking advantage of this safe harbor, we'll give you that time um, to do that. And so then you have much more of a case to come to us and say, hey, this has nothing to do with the securities offering, this is actually us just trying to get our network up and running. And so that's what we're hoping um, that that we can do. I'm working on sort of figuring out how to design that, would welcome input um, from those of you who maybe have projects that are at the stage of really wanting to get them out into the hands of the public.
1: I, I think, It'd be. this is recorded December 9th. She's like, we would love to hear input from projects that are in this phase of their project ready to deploy a token. A week later, Dan Larimer and Brenda Bloomer are at the SEC talking about voice token economics with the SEC for this Safe Harbor program. I think it would be silly to think that this is not the path that voice is on right now. Voice has regulatory clarity right now Voice Token will be part of this safe harbor. They will have two to three years to prove a a utility of the token and create a network effect to decentralize the network. Is there any argument here from you guys or is that like, this is what, this is what's happening?
2: No, I mean, I think it's been really clear with every move that B1's made over the last two or three years, um, right down to setting up an office in Arlington. Um, I think their intention has always been to use the you know use the funding they raise to push regulation forward so that they could launch this network and grow it the right way with with everyone involved you know the crypto community is small in comparison to the United States and and the people that we could help and bring on to these networks and start to um, educate on privacy and what it really means to protect your data so I think they've been on this you know, vendor trying to get this done and get this accomplished. And and that's what they've been spending their time doing. Um, And I'm personally really grateful for it, because I think it means that innovators all across America are going to be able to launch their uh, projects. And and that's what I'm really waiting on, because right now the US is a little behind in, in that, you know, in blockchain and crypto innovation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I mean, it's great to see the SEC, specifically Hester Peirce, finally moving this forward. If there's one thing that I could wish for 2020 in regards to SEC, it's that Hester Peirce becomes the chair and they can push a lot of this stuff uh, through a lot faster. So props to her.
2: Crypto mom. Right.
1: I, yeah. I love, love that. Bloomer even tweeted something about how he hopes that that would happen. I think we covered that last week. All right. So that that's all that's going on. Uh, we went a little bit longer on the SaferGlass stuff and some of the other news, but that's okay. Let's get into a recap of 2019. Uh, Luckily for us, EOS Writer uh, put out an amazing uh, recap. So this actually made our jobs very easy. Uh, We've basically got a timeline of events. I'll pull it up on the screen here. We'll just kind of like walk through it of like how the year started, what our favorite parts were about it, and then how we got to where we're at today. And I think uh, we kind of hit it on at the beginning. The very first thing on this article here is eos referendum is live january 11th it was such big news as months in the making token holders were finally going to have a voice on the eos main that let the block producers know what they wanted how'd that turn out
2: um it was a letdown <laughs> yes. uh i you know it was it was it was kind of a letdown i really was excited for the referendum system i saw how much work went into that system um, so it was, you know, it was something we threw at the wall and it didn't seem to stick, unfortunately. Um, you know, with the way mainnet is right now, um, you know, the referendum system is a good way to hear what token holders might want, but it's not a really great way to get things pushed through quite yet. So I think it still needs to be thought out and worked on. Um, you know, I think that this is one of mainnet's most crucial problems right now is that token holders need to have more power and more voice.
1: The crazy part is though that token staking and voting has actually consistently gone up this entire time. You look at everyone in the top 21 has over 300 million votes right now. Whereas January 11th, when the referendum went live, I bet the number one block producer had maybe 150 million votes. I don't remember.
2: Yep,
1: 150. So, so it has gone up.
2: When we first launched the network, I don't think we ever expected over 100 million to be staked and voted at one time. I think we all kind of thought it would be low, be a lower bar. So it's turned out surprisingly different. But that's kind of one of the things you get with emerging tech is you don't really know what's going to happen and um, you learn from it. So I think if nothing else, this is a learning experience for other chains to to learn from and grow from and and build on. And it's also something for EOS to grow from. Um, you know, I think people forget that it can still change.
1: And moving on, we had the DAP Network launch in February, February 27th to be exact. Uh, <laughs> March, March, we had Blankos. Rob, why don't you hit on this one? You had the South by Southwest gaming event and the debut of Blankos. We we're supposed to see Blankos in Q4 this year. I hope we see it in Q1 2020, but uh, yeah. still bullish on Blankos. What was that event like, Rob?
0: the event was great i mean they had these full like huge sized versions of the blancos like in physical form that were there and they had all these laptops set up and i think it was 10 people got to play uh the game against each other at the same time and since it is kind of like a sandbox open world create your own game type kind of like a minecraft or roblox or a game in that genre um, it is way more than just one level so i know the team is working pretty hard on polishing it on making sure there are there are no bugs Um, so that when they do launch it, it can be a big success like a Minecraft or like a Roblox. So I'm super excited to to actually finally play it once it's out and redeem all the Blanco's cards that I have. But, uh, whether that's Q1, Q2, Q3 later, um, I trust that the team will release it when it's ready.
1: But you still, so you saw the game about 10 months ago and as of 10 months ago is a pretty kick-ass game. In your opinion, you have full confidence that it's going to live up to the hype and expectation.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I played it a lot while we were there. And for those that don't know, it it really is kind of a create your own game type. So you could build a map out of a bunch of tokenized items that you own or somebody else owns that you're leasing them from um, and then make any game type you want. You can make capture the flag or collect these items. You could build a racetrack. Uh, You could build a shooter arena. You can do all kinds of different stuff within this game, just like you can do in Minecraft where you build all these different game types and then host them online. So uh, I think it's going to be a lot bigger than people expect.
1: That's exciting. And they they took a new investment too. I forget how many million they raised, but SVK got in on that round. I think yeah. did Galaxy get in again? I can't remember.
0: Uh, I think so. I think Galaxy followed up in that round as well, in addition to that first round that they were a part of. So uh, it seems like they have plenty of runway now. And clearly those teams, those investment firms are confident in the product that they're showing them. So uh, I think good things are coming in the future for Blancos
1: excited to see that. I'm uh, looking through March Taylor's worker proposal system launched Brendan Bloomer at the DC blockchain summit. I think that was the first time that the news of the moving into DC was announced and it got kind of us a little excited and a l- little pl- playing into the hype a little bit and by <laughs> uh, sucking in our own hopium at that time about the <laughs> DC stuff. It's crazy that a lot of the stuff that like the hype leading up to B1 June and then the announcements at B1 June, like they kind of took a while to come to fruition. Uh, Like they started announcing Dan had those emojis that were kind of obvious that they're opening a headquarters in DC, but that news didn't officially come out until like September, 2019. And then um, what was some of the other stuff? EOSIO 2.0 didn't come out for a few months after uh, B1 June. And then um, what's the other big one? Voice. (laughs) We we had the voice announcement B1 June. Didn't get that still February 14th. Uh, April. So April, we saw 87 million transactions processed in one day. That was a record. Have Have we broke that record since then? I know we've been hovering in the 50s, 50 millions for a while.
2: That's still the record.
1: And then the EOS user agreement was passed. Do you think we're better in a better place with the EOS user agreement than we were without it or before it with the original constitution? I
2: think, yeah. I think it's really okay, hard
1: to <laughs> Everyone wants to talk about the ES user agreement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who wants no, to go first? Uh, go ahead, Please.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's it's kind of hard to say. I mean, it's to envision what that timeline would have looked like versus this one, but I really don't think anybody was really following the first constitution, mainly because a lot of it was unenforceable. You, you couldn't enforce a lot of the stuff on chain. So um, whether that would have been better or not, I think it's hard to say, but I do think the new version we have Definitely works a little bit better. It's more enforceable
1: um, and should guide ES into the future.
2: Yeah, couldn't agree more. It's just way more clear.
1: I think it put into words what the rule of law already was. Like, no one was listening to ECAF, so this just officially cut their head off. Uh, was, referendum didn't matter anymore. People only cared yeah. about 15 out of 21. It just basically put into writing what was happening. So it really wasn't yeah. a change, it was just codifying it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. We've got May uh, Rex launched. Rex was a huge, huge monumental thing. Did that live up to everyone's expectations?
2: I, I think Rex is still, you know, working and, and is needed. I, I like Rex. I don't, I, you know, I don't understand people who think, um, it's not good for the ecosystem because personally, I think it's great that you can lease those resources when you need them. And obviously we needed them. <laughs> so,
1: um, yeah we had congestion issues before Rex, like Rex, like we're in the same position a year ago, except we had way less capacity on the main net and we were hitting congestion at a lot less transactions. And there wasn't a solution. It wasn't like Rex is locked up for a couple of weeks or a couple of days. It's like Rex is coming in a couple of months, guys. We don't even know when it's coming. And it was just, uh, it, that was a long time coming also though. I think Rex was first announced by Dan in like August or September, like 2018. So we didn't get that until May. May 2nd, it went live. Uh, Let's see, May 8th, the big token burn that did nothing. So we're in the middle of like the B1 June pump hype cycle, but that burn did nothing. 34 million tokens burned at the time. What was that? Like $150 million, something crazy? Something like that. I think part
0: of the reason why is because those tokens effectively didn't exist before anyway. They weren't in circulation. There was no path to use them. So from a market perspective, it's not like any float was removed from the market. It just basically stayed the same from uh, an effective trading standpoint.
1: Yep. Block one purchases $3.3 million of RAM. How <laughs> did that make everyone feel? I thought for sure 3.3 million, three, 3, 3, 3 million EOS, <laughs> which is like 20 some million dollars of RAM. Uh, that got me so hyped at the time. I was like, all right, they're deploying something to mainnet like tomorrow. <laughs>
2: But we're that's what i
1: thought we're, we're, we're still waiting
2: <laughs> i thought for sure all right in the next 30 days they're gonna le- they're gonna release something
1: nothing <laughs> it's crazy looking back so like within a couple of days so may 28th they bought all that ram may 29th they released the block one authenticator app which is like the eos wallet that we were waiting for forever and then they got listed on coinbase the day before b1 june and then the eos writer actually snubbed us here rob where, where is EE31 May on this list? <laughs> the largest community event of the year for EOS at least. Um, yeah, we're not on the list, but that's
0: okay. It was a, a good time. Even Brendan showed up, a lot of block one folks, but uh, we'll see, maybe we'll do it again uh, this upcoming year.
1: Maybe, maybe I'm going to call out EOS Raider right here and say, you better add this event. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to play a couple video clips for you. Uh, right. Let you know why that this was such an important event. Everyone at the event who didn't have B1 June tickets, but did have our little bracelets that Mark Woods gave to everyone, they actually got admission into the B1 June event. All right, so I just want to say thanks everybody for coming. It means so much to us to
0: see how far everyone's been traveling. You, uh, All of you guys make what we do uh, worth it uh, in, in every way possible. But we just want to say we knew some people here weren't able to get tickets to the conference. We expect that we're gonna have some spare seats just due to do a natural kind of no-show and stuff like that. So if you show your wristbands, Tomorrow at
1: the event, we'll escort you to a special area where we'll try to get as many of you guys in as possible. We had people who flew from like Asia and didn't even have a ticket to be one June. They just wanted to be there and they got to go to the event because they happened to be at our Everything EOS event on May 31st. And it was awesome. Brendan showed up, Brock showed up, the whole community was there. Uh man, just thinking about that day though, is like uh, it seemed like the, the community vibe kind of shifted in the months after that. That was like the, the peak and the pinnacle of the EOS main that. You guys, we are one EOS community. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. How close everyone is. We're all strangers, but like we're all best friends. Like this like one United EOS community. And this is just the freaking beginning.
3: Yes sir. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Woo! We are early.
0: early. <laughs> all right, um, so
1: everybody. Everybody on three, we're gonna get a big go so the whole City can hear. One, two, three, go
3: And thank you for the beer. Thank oh, you for the beer,
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> like, where do you go from there? Like you can't like continue going up any higher. Uh so that happened. We, we got the voice announcement. We had uh, Dan Larimer and uh, Brendan Bloomer on Everything EOS on June 2nd. I think that was one of my highlights of the year. That weekend was amazing. But that interview was one of my highlights personally. What do you think about that, Rob? Absolutely.
0: It was a fun time just to, to sort of talk with them both candidly, um, you know, before and after a little bit and uh, see them in that environment was definitely cool. And, and one of the first times we learned a lot more about voice. So that was awesome.
1: Just going through the stuff. Uh, Call me out if I'm leaving anything out. I think you guys have the same article in front of you. Defuse raising three and a half million dollars of seed funding for multi-coin capital. I thought that was big news. Um, Europe chain launched uh, Liquid Apps launches Liquid Link on July 28th. Hi everyone, this is a quick look at a new feature. You can check out the code on GitHub. Let's run one single command in Zeus SDK. This will spin up an EOS node locally, you'll see that on the right, and a local Ethereum node on the left. With this command, everything goes automatically. We're going to see it fire up full history capability with DMUX, set up IPFS, and then spin up a local DAP network DAP service provider to facilitate communication between the chains. Our local DSP is going to deploy a contract on Ethereum, then it's going to send a very small amount of Ether to an Ethereum address via Liquid Link. You can see the DSP activity and EOS transaction on the right and the Ethereum transactions on the left. Interoperability is here. Now, you can start by downloading the Zeus SDK and exploring the code. EOS Finex. That's something that I was super hyped for. Can, can we say that we're all a little bit disappointed? I haven't used oh, EOS Phoenix yeah. yet. I haven't made a single trade on EOS Phoenix, And I was probably one of the top 10 most hyped people about this damn thing. Yeah, I
0: mean, the user experience on there is just not what it needs to be. You have to install this new chain profile and scatter and somehow have an account there. And you're transferring tokens to this side chain. And it's just not what it needs to be when you compare it to something like Nudex. Um, or even a centralized exchange like Bitfinex. So definitely, probably one of the biggest disappointments of the year. I think a lot of us thought that that would be the new uh, decentralized exchange for EOS, and that they'd bring a lot of the liquidity from Bitfinex over. And basically, none of that happened. So definitely a disappointment.
1: Has it gotten any better since then? I admittedly have not. <laughs> oh, <thanks>. Like <laughs> went back. It it it, made, it gave me such a bad taste in my mouth. I haven't been back.
0: Yeah, I mean, Nudex's volume has been down dramatically over the last couple months since uh, we've had CPU issues. So I would imagine Eosfinex has done the same and, and is probably pretty close to zero at this point. Mm-hmm. It, it's like... very similar to you know what happened with Finex. Finex was this big thing and the Ethereum community thought, this is our new decentralized exchange, here it is. And the user experience was bad, so nobody used it. And now the same kind of thing happened with Eosfinex, unfortunately.
1: Uh, I just want a Dex with volume. Can we please get one? <laughs> Even Binance Dex doesn't have much volume. Have you guys ever looked at it?
2: Yeah, it doesn't. It's,
1: it, it's, it, I mean, to just use a exchange.
2: Dexes are hard because I think people worry that they're gonna wreck themselves on them and have no recourse action, which is actually I think safer. But um, I think it's just the education around Dexes in general that needs to be expanded. Um, maybe people would use them if they realized there was a lot of benefits.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so much has happened though Just scrolling through this list from the EOS Raider And credit to the EOS Raider for putting this timeline together So much stuff has happened Like I'm skipping over so many different things But the biggest thing in August Is my beautiful thumbnail here uh, <laughs> The unique digital identity plans revealed So this is like August This is two months after B1 June Everyone was like still like kind of bummed out Because we still had not had voice We still didn't have EOS IO2 But then we saw the patent get published. And I think that kind of brought a little bit of a spark back because we saw like that this is real. This has been in the works since it was filed in December, 2018, just got approved. And it was like the first insight we really had on into this digital identity. And I I think this is how it's gonna work on voice uh, with like snapping the selfies and proof of co-location. I think if we didn't dig up this patent that we'd still be in the dark as of today. And I don't know if anyone else would have found it if it wasn't for us.
2: Yeah. I'm excited that they're working on like sovereign digital identity of some kind. I think it's really needed. And I think it's kind of the key to unlocking all the use cases for blockchain in general. I think digital identity is the like frontier that you can be working on in this space that's going to make all the difference to the projects right now. Because once we kind of crack that, um, a lot of these other projects can exist in a decentralized fashion without running a lot of risk.
1: We had Tim Draper joining the board of directors at SenseChat. That was big news just because he's such a big name. He's such a Bitcoin bull. September 18th, we had the mainnet finally get upgraded to 1.8. That was a process, wasn't it? Just getting to that 1.8 upgrade. I think 1.8, the software was probably released back in like May. So it took all the way until September with that uh, massive amount of coordination that was required to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we finally got to Bill. To, to the, uh, what, what's it called, Bill First Auth? I forget the actual yeah, term for it.
0: Bill First Authorizer, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: then Block One finally announced the opening of their Washington, D.C. office. It's actually in Arlington, Virginia. That happened, what, September 23rd. So Dan started tweeting his damn emojis back in, like, February. So I, <laughs> I think, I don't know, like, do you think their timelines all just got pushed back? Like, all this stuff that's happening now, do you think they plan to make all that happen in June, and it was just like an unrealistic timeline?
2: I think it's litigation paperweight. You know, I think it's just the the cost of time of resources that it takes to get things pushed ahead. And then the reality of how fast that can actually happen kind of caught up to them. Um, and, and we don't know, we, they could have hit some litigation speed bumps that we're not aware of that they were able to overcome. And I don't think that block one is in the habit of talking about their failures or their, or their, you know, their, um, speed bumps. I think they just kind of like to keep the momentum going, giving everybody promise, which I, for one, really appreciate. Um, you know, they seem to always be able to take a situation and spin it into a positive and, and work from it and grow from it. So, um, you know, they're they're doing a good job. I don't, I don't have any problem.
1: (laughs) So the SEC waiver, that was the biggest news of October. October 2nd, we had the SEC grant block one a waiver. They fined them $24 million and then they deemed EOS was not a security. So I wonder if that, so the DC office was announced like the week before that. I wonder if that had anything to do with it was they wanted to kind of rule out news around the uh, the SEC waiver.
0: Yeah, I think that yeah. probably was holding them back from doing a lot, like voice, uh, any other announcements they may have made at B1 June that they decided to hold off on because of this SEC thing up in the air. Um, you can mm-hmm. imagine they were probably being investigated for a long time, even back when the the token sale was was still ongoing. So if they have the potential to be fined a billion or two billion or three billion dollars, they definitely don't want to invest that capital and then not have the money to pay the fine. But obviously mm-hmm. now that we know it was only twenty four million, um, they can kind of move ahead with all their plans uh, yeah. much more easily.
2: It certainly seems like a floodgate got released after that where we're starting to see a lot of action and tweeting and talking way more than we saw prior to that.
1: I, I think so. So like a week before the waiver, we finally got the DC office announced. Then we get the SEC waiver. And then a week later, we finally get EOSIO2. Like I know EOSIO2 doesn't really have any regulatory uncertainty around it, but I feel like they just like to do things in waves to like kind of ride the momentum. Yeah, uh, that's pretty smart. <laughs> and then a week after EOSIO2 came out, it was coincidentally eos new york came out with their governance proposal then the very next day dan releases his governance proposal and those are still pending what's what's going on with these governance proposals that came out mid-october are they still being debated by the block producers what's going on
2: they're still being discussed with the block producers and really the challenge is getting that knowledge and information into the hands of the top 21 um you know to, to be able to make a vote and know who we're getting it from and know that it's wanted i think um the top 21 block producers are kind of at consensus if they like the way things are now um so they're not giving this a whole lot of time or attention which is the problem on maintenance i mean i think that both proposals could do a lot for the network and and make a positive impact but um i think it's going to take a lot longer and a lot more um effort to get the top 21 to acknowledge that mm-hmm. uh
1: it looks like the the EOS Rio conference is on here, but they left out the EOS Vegas conference, which I wasn't at. Adriana, you were at the Vegas one though too, weren't you?
2: Yeah, it was World CryptoCon. Con. Uh, it was the week of Halloween. and It was great. Um, you know, we we had a whole section to ourselves. We had the EOS Pavilion that um, was very graciously put on by Brock Pierce and Crystal Rose um, and chat sponsored. And it was fantastic. Um, we learned a lot about what's going on in the EOS community. We heard from people like Fred Kruger on Link's Chain. We heard from... Uh, EOS Detroit about what they're doing up in Detroit with EOS. Um, it was a lot of really good information. And I think it showed the importance of us getting together with the entire crypto community, not with e- just with each other to share what we're all doing and learn from each other. It was great.
1: What's safer glasses official position on links chain?
2: I'm skeptical. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm so, I'm, I, 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 I just wish you would stop hating on everyone else. Like Fred's a smart freaking guy like he's not he's not stupid at all he's but he says some stupid stuff
2: he's he's a little aggressive it's okay (laughs) i think i think fred deserves to be a little aggressive i think we all do so it's okay that he's coming out and kind of being the person that's like hey we've got problems here they are and i'm trying to fix them and i have a lot of respect for that but as of right now um you know every chain that cypher glass goes uh opens a note up on will be vetted thoroughly and and really put their litmus test to see if it's going to be um around because i don't want to support projects that could potentially be um you know drains on people's personal finances and i'm not saying that these chains are i'm just saying that unintentionally they can become that and i don't want to contribute to that and um i want to be sure of the projects that we go on
1: that, that's a great way to look at it. Cause you're not going to produce for every chain. I, I don't like the block producers that are on every single chain. It's like, are you, what are you doing? Like it, most block producer teams, aren't big enough that they could put that much focus on every chain. So mm-hmm. it's like, you're just collecting a, a, a tiny, tiny paycheck basically to be on some of these chains. It doesn't it's a lot really of work. make sense. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah sometimes uh, the juice isn't worth the squeeze there.
1: <laughs> and as far as Fred, Kurt, like a day or two ago on Twitter, he said, Fred Fred Krueger's an acquired taste because they're they're really <laughs> <laughs> Kurt and Fred are really good friends. Uh mm-hmm. and he's an acquired taste. I, I, I could agree with that. Fred's a good guy though, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um okay, so November we had the IDOS hit. I, I don't think we really need to recap what IDOS did to the mainnet, shut down Rex. And in the midst of that, Rob, myself, and Peter K went to Blocksburg in in Blacksburg, Virginia. Uh, what's your recollection of that, Rob? Do you think that was a pretty good experience for yourself personally?
0: Yeah, I thought it was pretty great. I mean, we got a lot of interesting nuggets from Dan and Brendan about voice being hosted on multiple blockchains, some private, some public, um, had, had a really cool Hester Peirce conversation that we got to watch and met a lot of great community members. So uh, that was definitely one of the highlight uh, events of my year for sure.
1: My, mine as well. Uh, I know we, we've been going a little long. I could ramble on about that event all I want. Uh, November 17th, we had the Liquid Apps Hackathon. That was one of the highlights for me. I worked really hard leading up to that. Uh, got to go to Israel, got to go to Jerusalem while in Israel. It was just an awesome experience. The hackathon itself was so successful. We had over 200 people sign up, over 20 teams submit, gave out $50,000 in prizes. Just an awesome experience. Uh, then we had uh, a couple of days later, uh, really big news for EOSIO and Ubisoft a uh, multi-billion dollar game company announced that there'll be a corporate block producer on Ultra. Like all, this is what I mean by Ultra is just like standing out. Like nobody else has the name recognition of the, the crypto partnerships is like a meme, but like these partnerships are actually meaningful from from what we, we're seeing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was excited to see that. December, we had Prospectors launch on WAX. Pros, I, I skipped over earlier the Prospectors launch on Mainnet. That's been one of the most successful games uh, mm-hmm. with the most users on any IO chain. December 6th voice beta launch date announced. I think that for me was a, a shot in the arm of like hopium. Cause I, I said it whenever we did the everything EOS show and that was announced is my favorite times doing everything EOS. And just in general is whenever you have like an event or something to look forward to, like you have a date in mind and you're like working towards mm-hmm. that date. Cause whenever you don't have something to work forward to, you're just like kind of going through the motions, going through your days. Like, okay, Here's what I got today. I don't know what tomorrow is, but now I know something that's not tomorrow, but it's a couple of tomorrows from now. But we finally have a date on the calendar for February 14th with Voice. Adriana, what was your reaction to this news whenever you opened up your Twitter?
2: I was so excited. I was so <laughs> grateful. I thought we were going to have to wait so much longer for this. So um, I was glad that they got a beta announcement out before the end of the year. I was worried that if they didn't get something out by the end of the year, it would maybe lose some momentum or we would start to you know, see some... Some negative reactions from that. So um, I'm really looking forward to them doing a beta launch just for the kind of the crypto community to work out some bugs and get everything tested um, before we move on to like everyone else not in crypto.
1: So, Rob, was it sooner? The launch date, was it sooner than you were expecting also, even though it's still just announced as a beta?
0: Yeah, I had sort of... uh... I guess, like extinguished that flame of hope for voice a while ago. <laughs> he said, look, it'll be here when it's here. Like, let's just wait for it. So February seems like a great date. Um, dropping on Valentine's Day will be very interesting to see what kind, if any, marketing campaign they run around that. I know Brendan has said they're sort of holding off on the big marketing push until it's out of beta. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they position it to the crypto community and, and all that good stuff.
1: And just to verify what you've told me already and said publicly, you will be on voice.
0: I will be on voice.com. Yes, that's correct.
1: <laughs> and you will get dragged onto a podcast with me and Adriana after the voice. Launch. <laughs> maybe,
0: maybe, maybe not the
1: day of, maybe not the day of, <laughs> but in that vicinity, if we, if we don't see you for another month and a half until then.
2: Rob, it sounds like you're going to break our heart. Don't do
1: that. <laughs> you're going to break the whole community's heart. Actually. You're, we'll you're see, already,
2: you're already, got, you're already doing that. So let's, let's just, you know, come back for voice.
1: At the very least <laughs> help me on voice.com, but
0: uh, I'll try to make a show or, or two next year and, and talk about it and see what's going on. We'll see.
1: Maybe we'll get a bullish. How about that? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Let, <laughs> let, let, let's, let's do a prediction market. Will there be at least one episode of bullish in 2020? <laughs> we'll see. When, okay. when the creative juices flow. So we're almost at the end of the year We had the Republic of the Marshall Islands announced they're going to do a national digital currency on EOSIO. Huge news. We had AMD, the, the graphics card chip producer, announced their partnership with Ultra. Other big news. Uh, EOS VC grants, $50,000 grants rather than an equity-based program. Rob and I talked about this last week. Adriana, what do you think of the grants program? And what do you think? Uh, do you have anything in mind? that? Uh, so we learned about the, the block producers aren't allowed to apply for these. But are there like other entities that you're involved with or maybe that you're friendly with who are really looking forward to these applications and maybe already applied?
2: I am so excited about this grant program. I've had so many people reach out to me asking for help to apply. And, um, you know, actually, it's been a really cool funnel for Cypherglass to see if we can partner with some of these projects that are just getting off the ground. Um, to be able to receive that grant money. As you mentioned, BPs aren't really eligible for that for obvious reasons. It's a huge conflict of interest. But a lot of BPs are starting to open up parallel uh, companies, parallel LLCs, so that they can take their projects uh, away from their node and separate the two so that they might be eligible to receive some of that funding. And me personally, I think this is almost as good as the WPS system, because that's what the mainnet is really missing. It's missing, you know, a blockchain is only as good as its users. So if we don't have any users, then it's it's just a it's just a network. It's just a blockchain running with no users. Um, this is going to help bring some of these indie projects to mainnet and, and entice them to build on EOSIO, so that we can start to to drag more people into the space and and help them understand why decentralized projects and their data and protecting their data is so important. So for me, I think this grant program is exactly what we needed, exactly when we needed it.
1: I, I agree hundred percent i I think that a lot of people are disappointed with the way ESVC was being run. Uh, I, I I know many different people that had numerous calls with them, dragged along for months only for them to like go dark on them and like uh, if you didn't already have a revenue like uh, generating business that had equity of like value, like they had a lot less interest. So this is sure. a breath of fresh air. And going back to the new resource model, if anyone wants to build any application that needs to deploy on the main net, like they're going to have to buy EOS tokens with the old model or the new model. Like this $50,000, I don't know how much of it, but a couple thousand of those dollars might be used for resources on both mainnet net and EOSI's sister chain. Maybe on the DAP network, it could be used. It's going to be needed to get resources. Every application requires resources.
3: Yeah. Uh, so, so
1: that's... That's super exciting. So that's that's basically at the end of the year. We have December 21st, Block one releases the ESI resource allocation proposal.
2: Yep. I mean, the oh, the resource allocation proposal, that's a whole, that's like them just throwing this huge thing in the, <laughs> my lap at the end of the year. I'm still <laughs> trying to understand the re, the, the allocation system. I uh, mm-hmm. haven't fully wrapped my head around it. Um, but so far, it seems like a good thing. I mean, um, I'm still struggling to understand fully the differences between it. However, most of the community seems really on board with it. The only complaints I've heard is that some people feel like you know they owned their tokens and they own that network, and now they feel like maybe they're renting it a little bit. But um, so far,
1: I, don't I, I, th- I think it's just the difference in how it's accounted. <laughs> like the accounting is different, but the end results are the same. You're getting paid rent and then if you use transactions yourself, you're using your rent money to, to transact. So it's like, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I do understand it. And it it is, doesn't, it seems like a good resource model. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I think it's definitely um, like a step in the right direction for DeFi.
1: I I think the, the, the tax implications might be complicated now more complicated Uh, but I haven't looked into that. I'm not a tax advisor. I'm not a tax consultant. This isn't tax advice. Nope. Um But, okay, so we went through 2019. We're, we've already been on for a while. This is Rob's last show for the foreseeable future until we kidnap him for voice. No. <laughs> what are you guys looking forward to for
0: 2020? Um, uh, my biggest events of 2020 are definitely voice and hopefully the actual mainnet launch of voice. I'm hoping to see it on EOS in some way, maybe some other public chain. And then two, not related to EOS, but I'm looking forward to the Bitcoin halving. Uh, it should be pretty interesting to see what happens uh, somewhere around May, it looks like, is, it's going to hit.
1: Be honest, Rob, you're, you're not going to be as uh, in tune with EOS and blockchain in 2020. What are you really most excited about? It shouldn't be blockchain. You should be expanding your life, doing whatever you're doing.
0: But yeah, I mean, beyond that, that was the context of the question that I took. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to, to hopefully find something more fulfilling um, something that, you know, I mentioned in that original video, something that, uh, doesn't just make money, but something that is, is, you know, fulfilling my soul in some kind of way. So I have a couple sort of options on the horizon. I've been doing a lot of reading recently, even making some art. Um, so I'm excited to just, uh, see where 2020 takes me in this new decade. It's
1: mm-hmm. exciting, man. Best of luck with that. I look forward to Thank staying you. in touch with you and having you show me your artwork. If that's the direction you want to go, I actually have, uh, some, uh, Watercolor cat paintings being commissioned right now. Nice. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> my my Christmas gift. Uh, ask Adriana the same questions. Uh, what are you looking forward to in 2020 uh, uh, with an EOSIO? And then for you personally?
2: Um, so with an EOS EOSIO voice, voice is obviously the number one thing. Um, I want to see if it's really going to make the impact that um, you know they've been claiming it's going to make on social media and privacy. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking. Um, you know, sovereign digital identity, seeing how that comes about. Um, I think 2020 will be a big year for that. And for me personally, I'm looking forward to staying in one place, (laughs) not living Mm -hmm. out of a suitcase, being, being a little bit more stable in one location, being home with my dog, um, and running cypher glass, you know, really, really picking up on all the lessons that Rob gave me over the last year and a half, which are many and, and really valuable Um, and taking those into the future and leading CypherGoths to hopefully some success.
1: All right. So Rob, this is where you close out one last time.
0: Yeah, I think the the last thing I wanted to say to everybody that's been watching, whether you've been watching from that very first episode, way back in the ICO Alert offices before the mainnet even launched, uh, or if you join us later, even if this is your first episode, thanks for watching. I mean, it, it has been an amazing time and a, a huge shout out in particular to all the people that reached out after I published that last video where you saw my announcement here on Everything EOS. So I've had a, a sort of a flood of emails in my inbox, people saying, hey, if you want to work on something, here's an opportunity. And well, I think it's too early for me to jump into the next thing yet, um, it has been awesome to receive so many warm wishes and, and kind words. and. Um, really, congratulations on you know th- this next chapter of my life. So thank you to everybody out there, and uh, here's to the next decade of, of blockchain and crypto as we head into the 2020s—that that futuristic decade that we've been looking forward to for for so long. So thank you
1: all, and uh, we'll see you in the new year. We have a very specific way we close out. I'll let Adriana lead it to test all her right. to see if she knows.
2: Let me just do go ES here. All right, ready. All right, guys! Thank you so much for watching, and remember, go EOS.
1: Nope, 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 nope. Oh, I, yeah. failed.
2: I already failed.
1: Nope. Yeah, you Please? have to say until next time. yes is is, everything, this is everything, everything EOS. Go EOS. Go Eos. Go Eos.
0: We'll see you next
1: year. Um.